Welcome back to Rated Radio with your hosts, Rayburn Alexander and Shane Windham. Rayburn, what Billboard hit did we cover this time around? We covered To the Moon by J.N.R. Choi and Sam Tompkins. What'd you think? Uh, hold up. Is this another one of them TikTok songs again? This song has a strong start but falls apart after the first 30 seconds. Hence the TikTok popularity. Repetitive, and I can't really understand the lyrics of what they're trying to say. So unless you're looking to expand your follower count, I wouldn't bother with this one. Three stars. Ouch. Yeah, looking the lyrics up uh, doesn't help much. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel better. Did you recognize it? Um, it's a sample. It's only kind of recognizable. But I figured if anyone here was going to get it, it would be you. Is it the... the uh, it's Bruno Mars talking to the moon. Oh, in the beginning, isn't it? Yeah, like just the vocal sample yeah, that's going yeah, throughout. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, totally right. Which makes sense because it says the title's To the Moon. So yeah. I probably should have figured that one out. Which the dude, from what I was reading, he uh, he did the song mm-hmm. without permission and uh, didn't really know. Apparently, he's just ignorant of it, these things. That's what he says in his own words. I'm not... This is what's been happening with TikTok songs. People will make their own little mashups. I actually have a couple that I'm really into right now. Um, I'll show you later. But uh, people have been creating their own samples of, of songs, putting it in these TikToks, and then people are just blowing it up. So therefore, they have to create a whole Spotify track centered around this one little sample that they have created. And needless to say, not in this instance, but it's been it's been bringing a lot of um, musically talented people out of the woodwork where they thought that they didn't have potential. And people are blowing up. So maybe J&R Choi and Sam Tompkins might be one of them. Maybe. What do you think about it? I've been trying to figure out if it's J&R Jr., like Junior Choi. I don't know if that's what they're going for. I didn't think that much about it. Yeah. (laughs) We've been having some weird (laughs) artist names nowadays. This chill modern rap track has a lot going for it. Great sound, floaty vibes, and a nice voice overseeing its treatment. The problem for me is that a lot of the lyrics are nonsense or simple mouth noise. So no matter how much I might enjoy the easily listenable mood, which To The Moon affords, I'm stuck at four stars for what lyrically feels like squandered potential. All right. So we're on the same page, but you were a little bit nicer than me. Head happens every now and yeah, then. Yeah, just every so often. Let's roll the intro. Well, I do apologize. It's all right. You ready to get all up in that blue oyster? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. What's the, uh, never mind. It's blue waffle that I'm thinking of. Blue it waffle. May as well have been that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, now all... that I've completely dis... Yeah, that, that wasn't my fault necessarily. That might have been yours. Uh, I'll take yes, blame. I suppose that I am ready to get into oh. the blue oyster. Uh, so... 
Blue Oyster Cult is up first, going against Fog Hat today. If you're new here, we're going to cover three albums and take a break and cover three more. So Blue Oyster Cult's Agents of Fortune is up Mm -hmm. first. That's from 1976. This was my top album. This is actually my bottom album. Out of the 10 tracks, I gave 10 fives. There you go. Do some blues clues. I did. I was a mixture of, of the two. Perfect rating. What about you? I gave it two fives out of 10 tracks. My top track was Debbie Denise. Dude, don't fear the Reaper. You cannot beat it. I mean, that's still one of those songs that, which is so funny because I put in my notes on this album. They are so much more than Don't Fear the Reaper, which we're going to get into a little bit more. Uh, But yeah, you can't beat Don't Fear the Reaper. It's classic. You can play it at literally anything. Yeah, well, as much as I love the song, Agree to Disagree. For me, it's Debbie Denise. I think Don't Fear the Reaper would probably fall somewhere in the middle. It's the sort of album we're talking about here. Bottom track for me was Tenderloin. Same. Tenderloin. Is it Tenderloin? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good old Tenderloin. All I could think about, like I saw the title and I hadn't le- listened to the track and all I could think about is, I want to be your Tenderoni. <laughs> <laughs> so Bobby Brown yes. instead of Blue Oyster Cult here. <laughs> so about the album, uh, whether it's Dire Straits, Tom Petty, Guns N' Roses, or The Who. All the comparisons I could draw here fucking rock. The variety is mind-boggling. Love at first listen. I feel like an essential album that's been missing from my life has finally been found. The production is timeless. There's sun in these metal roots. And while I readily admit that Tenderloin is an acquired taste, the rest of this is something you absolutely have to hear. Like I said earlier, they offer a lot more sound variety than just Don't Fear the Reaper. Um, To me, it sounds a lot like the Rolling Stones, Elton John, and even Bowie at times. Pretty clean sounding for 1976. That was something that I was extremely surprised because when we take these deep dives to older music, obviously, they're still developing how they can clean up recordings. And I was pleasantly surprised that this sounded a lot cleaner than, let's just say, maybe Aerosmith, like Mm -hmm. we listened to. Um, Can be repetitive, but pretty creative and experimental with their sounds. And they were adding sax before it was popular in the 80s. So I got to give them a little bit of credit there. Yeah, I could go on and on, but we're just going to move on. Let's move on. Here to 1977's Spectre's album. This was my bottom album. This was my middle album. Out of the 10 tracks. Again, I gave 10 fives. I gave it three fives out of 10 tracks. Watch out now. Top track, I Love the Night. Same. Goddamn. So good. Bottom track, Celestial the Queen. My bottom track was Death Valley Nights. Okay. I really like that one. Oh, well, I mean, I'm I really surprised. like Celestial like a, the Queen, you like too. like a lot of them. I, there, were, there were two. I think I was torn between Celestial the Queen and another one that's not coming to mind right now. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I picked I Love the Night for my top track, but it was really hard to not pick Godzilla. Oh, yeah? I'm pretty sure... That I haven't told Blue what I picked. He loves that song. But then again, he also loves Godzilla. But yeah, that song that song rocks. That song does rock. So, In spite of being very rock forward in spots, this album is a much calmer, more somber affair. I still get the Who vibes, but there's also plenty of Dio and Moody Blues at work here. I may not love it quite as much as Agents of Fortune, but I still listen to each track all the way through multiple times. Genuinely classic rock. They expand a little bit more on their sound here, extraterrestrial even at times. It's as if a UFO landed in a cornfield. It would sound a lot like this. 
think Southern Spacey, and that was not my nickname in high school. Anyway, uh, reminds me a little bit of ELO, Ario Speedwagon, or even Styx. <laughs> Are you dying over there? I'm all right. Say your say your artist picks again. I'm just trying not to call you Southern Spacey from <laughs> now until the time you die. <laughs> ELO, Ario Speedwagon, and Sticks. Okay. Um, which all which I've seen every single one of them in concert. A little toot toot my own horn. Anyway, harmonies are pleasant here, so that's what Southern Spacey has to say. Yeah. Did you notice, by the way, that all of them are vocalists? Mm-hmm. All of them write. Uh, Agents of Fortune, I think, is the only album where they all sing on at least one track. Mm-hmm. But fucking stellar. Yeah, I we're we're gonna we're gonna move on to our next one. But this one was hard and very very close to being my top album. Yeah. So the last album we covered by Blue Oyster Cult is Fire of Unknown Origin from 1981. This was my middle album. This is my top album. Out of the nine tracks, nine fives. <laughs> Holy motherfucking shit. Is that a perfect rating for this artist? Yep. It's only happened one other time. Reba? Was it Reba? No, it was a story of the year. Story of the year. And I guess technically, even though they've only been in the specials, if you're counting Greta Van Fleet so far. That's true. That's been perfect. Yeah. We still got, what, one more album to cover by them? I think so. so. I can't remember what the hell it's called, but... Did you see that the price on the vinyl for Battle at Gardens Gate dropped from like 60 to 35? I've no, been so I, fucking tempted. I need, to, I need to buy it because I was looking uh, back for the holidays. I wanted to get it for myself. Just a little just a little gift for me. And yeah, that price was insane because when I bought it for my cousin a year ago, it was like 25 bucks. I should have I should have bought two. Mm-hmm. I'm an idiot. But yeah. It's can it's you, all the touring. Can you repeat that, please? I'm an idiot. Oh, all right. <laughs> I hate you. How many fives did you give this album? I gave it three fives out of t- nine tracks. Sorry. My top track was Fire of Unknown Origin. Ooh. My top track was Joan Crawford. It's hard to be mad at that. It's real hard to pick a top track on this album, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. I was I torn. mean, any of these albums, you could make that argument you made for... The first album. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had Don't Fear the Reaper on the first. You had Godzilla on the second. Burning for You is on the third. I know. Uh, You could easily make that argument. And Joan Crawford's fucking amazing song. There are lots of amazing songs. Mm -hmm. Veteran of the Psychic Wars was another contender for Mm me. Uh, Anyway, my bottom track was Don't Turn Your Back. Okay. My bottom track was Fire of Unknown Origin. Okay. There we go. It hurts. (laughs) It hurts so good. This one feels less like Dire Straits, leaning much more in the direction of Moody Blues, mixed with Rush, Styx, and Black Sabbath. Uh, most tracks, I know that sounded really strange as a combination. Rush, Styx, and, and Black Sabbath? No. But there, there's variety in what they're doing, and it makes sense. Just wait till you get to my comparison, then you might be able to... I feel better? Yeah, Maybe. Most tracks, while all winners, are a bit more musically basic than they've been. I continue wanting to hear each song in full, though, appreciating their unique lyrical flair, carefully and clearly spaced instrumentation in the wall of sound, and the spacey, not southern spacey, but spacey, (laughs) David Gilmour-esque guitar solos, another immaculately addicting listen. Uh, They continue to expand on their sound a little bit more here. They've even refined it a little bit more. Maybe it's a changing in the times. Maybe it's better in equipment. Who knows? Um, Still very cosmic sounding. And for me, uh, the vocals sound a lot like Danny Elfman here. 
Oingo Boingo, all the Tim Burton movies. He did the singing voice of Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas. Is this a good thing? I would say it's a good thing. I mean, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas has a cult following, and there has to be a reason, including Danny Elfman's singing voice, I'm sure. I'm just curious. I can never pin you down with lyrics, or vocals, I should say. I can never pin you down. I feel like sometimes... You're going to knock the vocal because it's not some outrageous, like this group is easily, you can sing along with. Yeah. Very easy to do. But I I never know if you're going to come through like, oh, well, that made it feel like a stage play. And I love that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can honestly say that with Blue Oyster Cult, the vocalism was very, very nice. Okay. So uh, it's not a knock. It's just different. Sorry. It's not a knock. It's just different. Music makes me feel like I'm hearing a rock band perform at Cheers, like like the bar Cheers from the show. Okay. Just just making sure. All right. Interesting. Something about that that intro song to Cheers and the the vibe of the show itself mixed with classic rock. Like that's the vibe I'm I'm getting from this artist. So like a cleaner G. Willikers in forward. That's a karaoke place she went to for her birthday, or we all went to for her birthday yeah. one year. Yeah, it's my karaoke spot. For those who spot. have no idea what a G. Willikers is. I would have <laughs> explained it, but yeah, it's my spot, man. Any notes? Actually, um, you may find this interesting. It's a crime. They have not been conducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They have. They just became eligible, and they are projected to be entered in in... 2035. Uh, They have been formed since 1967. They've been making music, which it's a damn shame that so many people are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they are not one of them. Shout out to Celine Dion. Um, Anyway, that's that's been trending this week. All right. Well, I don't know why you said Celine Dion. I was going to say that I'm not arguing. I'm not saying anything because I don't disagree with anything Mm -hmm. you're saying, except for Conducted should be inducted, but that's neither here nor there. Did I say conducted? Yeah. God damn it. It's okay. Yeah, I did actually know that because I had to go searching a bunch of top 100 musician lists to make sure like best rock bands of all time. I wasn't mm-hmm. missing something. Yeah, they're like nowhere to be found. I Googled the year that they were inducted and could not find anything. And I was like, holy shit, they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Nope. And I've been... I I expected, because I've never heard much about this group, Mm -hmm. I know the singles, right? Like the three singles that we got from, like, I know that stuff. Mm -hmm. I know a handful of their other singles, but when you don't hear anything else by a group, you tend to expect that, well, maybe there's a reason for that. And maybe there's a reason they're not mentioned on these top 100 greatest rock band lists anywhere. I don't fucking get it now. Mm. I think... Uh, there's there's clearly a lot of politics involved out there, sure. and they were not playing the game. I'm sure because goddamn, this is good music. Maybe we should do for them what everybody. The reason why I bring up Celine Dion, maybe we should do for them is what everybody's doing for Celine Dion. They are boycotting the 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 voting to go for all the inductees. Uh, not the inductees, the people that they're considering to be inducted in the yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Celine Dion was not one of them. She got axed. And people are pissed. So uh, maybe we should form our own little group to get Blue, Blue Oyster Cult into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because I feel like it's way overdue. I mean, I think what I'm trying to get at here is maybe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should be viewed as the joke that it is. If this group's not there, mm. I, I've been listening to new music weekly my entire life. You know, yeah. that's, that's what the, ever since I was like eight years old, I just have this thing. I want to hear different music. And yeah. this listen fucking stellar so the rest of my notes here 
The more I hear of this group, the more I want to hear. The way they seem like a distinct amalgamation of many other groups I love is impressive to the point of immediate obsession. I knew their hits, but have only heard them discussed as a rock heavyweight in the film The Stoned Age. Doesn't exactly make you think this is going to be like the greatest band of all time, even though great movie. Yeah. And if you know the movie, I finally figured out what became of Tack. What? He appears in the more recent TV show, The Stand. Okay. As working for uh, Flag. But has he not been working since then? I just hadn't seen him in anything. Okay. And he popped up and that's the first thing that came through my head. Like, oh, that's what happened to Tech. Mm. He's in this universe. Anyway. Shane demanded that I watch that movie. And what what was the famous Blue Oyster Cult? Did they just say they're the greatest band of all time? No, it's clear that one of the two main characters... Like, they both love Blue Oyster Cult, uh-huh. but the softer guy always wants to hear Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he keeps telling him it's a pussy song. Got it. Yeah, that's right. And that they wrote all rock bands write a song like that so they can weed out the pussies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this band deserves so much more. They should be in the big conversation just as much as Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd, in my opinion. Uh, their vocals may be at times too sing-along-like. And their grooves can be fairly predictable, but they also make some of the most listenable music I've ever heard, period. Yeah. For those of you that are wondering where the fuck Blue Oyster Cult, the name, comes from, uh, their band name came from their manager who combined the title of a recipe and the occult. So there you go. What the fuck meal is a Blue Oyster? I mean, I guess they just were... I mean, I know what a Blue Oyster is, but like, what recipe was he looking at? It it sounds about right for this group. Um, And you will appreciate this, Shane. Uh, They even have a beer that's called Blue Oyster. You're welcome. Where can can I get this? Because (laughs) I I want it it yesterday. (laughs) Anyway, let's take a break. That's Blue Oyster Colt. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like, why are we even doing the rest of the episode? I know why we're doing the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. For formality's sake, for for giving giving Foghat a standing chance, we're we're gonna we're gonna let them have their their platform. All right. Yeah, I guess stick around because there might be some some worthwhile content here. I don't know. We'll see. Some you. surprises. You don't know how I voted. Yeah, we'll be back in a moment. Shane, you picked the list for this week. I did. And what was it? I love that you came in trying to be conductor just so you could get your, and we're back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had to make him be distracted. I had to wait for that moment for him to be distracted. Song list I chose was songs that saved you. Sorry. I thought I turned it down. My bad. That's all right. We'll do it again. My sister's in Arkansas. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you more about it in a minute. Going from Texas to Arkansas. I'm not sure which is worse, but it doesn't paint the... On a motherfucking plane. She took a plane ride. To Arkansas. To Arkansas. It's a four, maybe five hour drive, if that. High class. Yeah. She's bougie like that. Anyway, sorry. I mean, at least you you took her up a notch because people who don't live in Texas or Arkansas, all they know is like first cousin inbreeding jokes. True, true. And I've made plenty of those since she's left. Why would you go from Texas to Arkansas? I don't know. Like you're just trying to, whatever. Anyway. (laughs) So the list I chose was songs that saved you. Interesting list choice. I can say that because... I don't have very many songs that I would classify as saving me. 
but it did make me think a little bit. So I feel like someone gave us this list topic too, and I just don't remember who it was off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure someone in a comment somewhere gave us something like this. Much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely made me get a little bit in touch with myself. (laughs) Do tell us how in touch with yourself you were. (laughs) Now I've talked enough about blue oysters. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about our choices. (laughs) So I'm going to go first, if that's okay. My choice for songs that saved me was that Funny Feeling by Bo Burnham. When I turned 30, I was facing a lot of stress and anxiety to be everything that everyone was needing me to be. But I slowly began to ask the question, why? Why was it my responsibility to navigate and fill all of my relationships with love and care? When did it suddenly become my responsibility? And why did I blindly accept that? Was it my crave to be loved? And I thought that the only way to get that was acts of service? I may never truly understand, but it's because of songs like this that I realize we all live in a state of confusion as we try to navigate the chaos that we call our lives and doing the best we can with what we know. Sorry, I'm fucking this all up. Sorry, it'll be a fun edit. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm trying to joke and keep it light here. I know. Fucking acts of service as a love language, by the way. Why is that so common? Like I thought growing up, I always heard that, you know, people were too clingy and needed mm-hmm. too much affection. And mm-hmm. I always thought, okay, when I thin up enough to have a partner, this is going to be awesome because it's the sort of mm-hmm. stuff that I crave. Yeah. No, everyone's acts of service, people. Yeah. Like you, if you want me to know how much you love me, talk to me for a few minutes, do the dishes for me. Mm-hmm. And what's your love language, if you don't mind me asking? I don't know what the others are. Okay. But I feel like if you took pieces of all of them, mm-hmm. I could probably apply them to me. Acts of service would be at the bottom because I tend to just do shit for myself. Yeah. I'm sure you understand. Yeah, I understand. Continue. I may never truly understand, but it's because of songs like this that I realize that we all live in a state of confusion as we try to navigate the chaos that we call our lives. And we're all doing the best we can with what we know. Since then, I've taken many great strides to better understand what makes me tick and how to prioritize my mental health. And that's no one else's responsibility but my own. Boom. Yeah. I mean, we do kind of teach people how to love us, what we accept, what we won't. Mm-hmm. We I'm, set the standards pretty much immediately. And my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes from there's a movie called Edge of Seventeen. I believe. And and maybe it's Edge of Seventeen. No, it's not. Um sorry. Is it a Stevie Nicks song? No. <laughs> it's it's a it's a movie with Haley Steinfeld, but no, it's Perks of Being a Wallflower. And Paul Rudd's Great teacher character movie. Yeah. Paul Rudd's teacher character says when when the main character asks, Why does my sister love this guy that essentially puts his hands on her? Paul Rudd says, We accept the love we think we deserve. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the quotes that has stuck with me. And I think it says so much about the people that are struggling in their relationships. So just know that you're probably worth a lot more than you think you're worth. Own up to that shit. So I think you might have me topped here. Yes. The moment the the day has come now. Probably not. Uh, For songs that saved you, Mm -hmm. I went with Dusk and Summer by Dashboard Confessional. Not the album, the song. Got it. Great album. But Mm -hmm. anyway, I'm going to do what I do best here and avoid discussion of my wife's recent cancer diagnosis, at least for now. I'm not ready, so don't at me. Just allow me the small bit of selfishness that this show affords. Dashboard's Dusk and Summer track is something I used to listen to a lot in hopes of gauging just how fucked I still was 
as a result of the ultimately harrowing relationship I had with my ex-fiance. The lyrics perfectly detail the start of that particular roller coaster, and even hint at the ending, which to this day has left me unable to completely trust anyone the way I used to. Anyway, I posted this song's lyrics as a blog on my MySpace page way back when, and doing that sparked one of the most meaningful friendships I've ever had. It introduced me in a deep way to someone who continues to feel like going home again whenever we talk, like I'm somehow visiting with lost loved ones or childhood friends. So I'd posit that this song saved me because said friendship has made so much of my baggage easy to let go of. I'm no longer reminded of a desperate ledge when I hear Dusk and Summer. Instead, I'm reminded that living through the song is something a younger me wouldn't have dared to dream that there's immaculate beauty worth appreciating about all that tragedy, and that new, often stronger love is always on its way. So hold on. Now, is this the friend that passed away? Is that the friend friendship you're talking about? You're not allowed to ask me questions uh, about my friends. Okay, sorry. I'm not allowed. You get too familiar with my friends. <laughs> you keep me at, at arm's length. Got it. <laughs> I appreciate I'm it. I'm just kidding. I know. No, I, I don't uh, discuss identities mostly now okay well you know who you are but yeah you you i'm not going to talk about it and i promise i won't but yeah no you got me beat by that trump card at the beginning of your uh your explanation so oh that beats everything yeah cancer ain't it fun yeah it's it's that funny feeling uh, it's not very funny yeah for a few well if you listen <laughs> to the song you know that it's that's irony so there's a song called that funny feeling is that what yeah my choice oh my bad over <laughs> Yeah, it's, I'm not a Bo Burnham aficionado, so it it talks about everything that's wrong in the mo like in the world. Um, just you have to listen to it. It's just ironic. We're all sort of just kind of dicking around until our oblivion. So, uh, like things that we think are important aren't really important, and it lists a bunch of redundancies that we have in the world. And it's just it's just one of those songs that y- you know when you know if you listen to it. So yeah. Anyway, I actually not to sit too long in this. My son is very moody. He's very angsty. Mm-hmm. And he likes to tell you he's just so sad or he needs to be alone. He's that... having a hard time. Yeah. Like, did you have a good time when we've been having a blast for like three hours doing everything he wants to do just because it ended and yeah. he wasn't ready for it to end? Yeah. No, I didn't have a good time. And I'm just so sad. Like, I've been trying to impress upon him one of the things that I learned more recently, which is, I mean, I've known that gratitude at the beginning and end of the day mm-hmm. really helps uh, just a mental state. Because I'm one of those people who does not want to take anti-depression meds, though I probably should. Yeah. So that's been helpful, but also is realizing that if you just look at the good Mm -hmm. instead of the bad, because there's so much more good at any given time than there is bad, Mm -hmm. everything is easier to deal with. Recognizing that we we do, like you said, we worry about shit that doesn't matter 95, and, 99% of the time. And we can't even control. That's that's the the place where I was struggling the most is I was worrying about tr- controlling the things that I can't possibly control. Yeah. And it was causing me an insurmountable level of stress and anxiety and guilt. Guilt is another big feeling that I'm having. Like, how am I supposed to celebrate my successes when there are other people that are so very close to me that are struggling? You know, it, it, it puts everything in into perspective a little bit more and then you reach the point where you just have to throw your hands up and be like 
you can't really control anything at the end of the day. And I think that that's one of the things that your son is learning to deal with is that every good thing has an ending, just like every bad thing has an ending. Yep. Everything will end. That is one thing that we are promised. And I'm not just talking about necessarily in, in death circumstances, but every wonderful, joyous thing that happens in your life will come to an end eventually. And all you have to do is just hold on tight and enjoy it while it's happening. Mm-hmm. So not to not to get not to get a little heartfelt during this episode, but you know, we're all just learning and doing the best we can with what we have. Yeah, I'm I feel like I'm in a completely different headspace than I've been for most of my adult life now. Mm. It's very zen to realize genuinely that I mean this could end at any time. Yeah. Life, any you know, you could go to sleep and not wake up. And that could be the same for anyone in your life. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Yep. And so I just really want to appreciate whatever exists now for what it is. Mm-hmm. Stop worrying and just let shit go. Yep. And that is a long ass break. Let's go talk about Foghat. Let's go talk about Foghat. Fog hat. Fog hat. I'm going to be honest up front. I assumed going into this that this was a group that only got big for Slow Ride be- because of Slow Ride. That's and, correct. Um, it, it. I think it's their most listened song. Yeah, they've got another hit or two. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I think obviously it was popular when it came out, but I think the resurgence obviously happened with Dazed and Confused. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody blew that song up when Dazed and Confused came out. Now, I'm starting to learn something about Sandra's picks, mm-hmm. and that's that most of them are things that I would have undervalued going into it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Hook confused me when I was young. Yeah. I didn't get it. Air Supply, like people used to laugh at it, mm-hmm. even though both of those things are things that I dearly love now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. Jelly Roll was another one. It's just the name of that artist is so hilarious that you think, no. Which, speaking of, he's going phoneless in 2023. He's completely ditching his phone. He says, if you need to get a hold of me, uh, reach out to my this person, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if we should be worried about Jelly Roll. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. I think I had a note to talk about this somewhere else, but did you know Kanye West is missing? I heard that, but I also heard Britney was missing too. So, although she's still posting stuff on social media, but everybody thinks she's in it, like she's not real anymore. Like the stuff that they're posting is not really her. Anyway, I mean Kanye West is literally missing. His lawyers couldn't get in touch with him. All his friends are saying they haven't heard from him. He didn't spend the kid or the holidays with, with the kids. I know, dude. It's getting weird. But he's a weird, dude. So Jeffrey Star said that the reason why, uh, which I don't follow Jeffrey Star at all. But I saw it in like a a news article that Jeffree Star said the Illuminati is real, that they made Kanye disappear, that they're fucking with Britney and all this. He's just like blasting it. He was like, if if no one hears from me, this is why, because, you know, so it's it's a mess, dude. Just it's a mess. I have some thoughts, but they're coming in a future episode. So hold tight. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Fog hat. Sandra, thank you for Fog Hat. I want to say that ahead of time because I did enjoy this more than I was anticipating. And that may not be saying much at the outset because my anticipation of enjoying Fog Hat mm-hmm. was about zero. Mm-hmm. 
feel like you're pussyfooting around this. Maybe. Uh, Self-Titled was the first album we covered. That's 1972. This was my middle album. This was also my middle album. Out of the nine tracks, I gave six fives. I gave zero fives. My top track is Sarah Lee. My top track is Gotta Get to Know You. And that and or Leaving Again would have been my bottom track. My bottom track was A Hole to Hide In. We're going to have some some differing opinions here for sure. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking about A Hole to Hide In. It just sounds very uh, suggestive. It's a pussy joke. I'm not I'm not going to comment. I've, I'm at my pussy quota for today. This debut really does some heavy lifting. I think the fun elements of groups like Boston, Aerosmith, and Leonard Skinner then throw in a dash of Dr. Hook's timeless charm. It genuinely made me happy to be listening to classic rock, which is something I was never expecting to say. It's not perfect, though. It meanders at times, usually allowing the guitar to steal the show like early Van Halen. The production's dated, and the vocals aren't wildly memorable. Still, this was a pretty special spin for me. This is Southern Blues rock for sure. Similar pace throughout. The vocals are definitely second to the backing band for me, but the guitar shines. Repetitive, but it could be a product of its time, and it makes good use of that slide guitar. And did you catch the um, one of my song recommendations in a past episode is actually a cover of it is in this first album? Nope. Maybelline by Chuck Berry. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did know there was a Chuck Berry so, cover in here, but yeah. right over my head. We've done a lot of music shows yeah. at this point, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to take every opportunity to do to you what you normally do to me. Okay. So. I'm liking it. So the next album we covered was Fool for the City from 1975. This was my top album. This was also my top album. Out of the seven tracks, I gave seven fives. And if you're keeping track, that is four perfect ratings now in a single episode. I know. Who knew? Blue Oyster Colt and Foghat. Wow. Yeah. I gave zero fives. Ouch. (laughs) Again. I know. My top track was Terraplane Blues. That was my bottom track, but my top track was Fool for the City. I liked that one a lot, too. I know. You gave it a perfect rating. Bottom track, if I had to choose one, was Save Your Loving for Me. Okay. And we already know yours yep. was my top. Yep. Because of course it was. Of course. Everything I said about their debut, minus the meandering, and with a sound also reminiscent of Led Zeppelin, Kiss, and Journey. The other instruments shine a great deal more here, and while I may be tired of Slow Ride, while it may be quite short for a full-length LP, uh, this thing is exquisite from start to finish. Vocals are definitely better here. They add more depth with harmonies and experiment with their range. It makes me feel like I'm on my second hour of playing rock band. A shame with that slow ride pick. Um, Guitar here. Fuck off. I don't actually know where it appears. (laughs) Fuck right off. I just mean that Guitar Hero is a superior game. Okay. Um, It's repetitive. Squares versus circles. Like my co-host. Sounds like a mixture of Queen, Beatles, Credence, and even Billy Squire all rolled into one. Uh, This is more upbeat. And adding a little bit more variety here is something that I much appreciate. See, those comparisons were whiplash-inducing. Now, that's the one that made me feel like what I was saying for Blue Oyster Cult Mm -hmm. made some sense. Like, I I can't even knock it because I did the same thing. I think I mentioned, what was it, Black Sabbath alongside Moody Blues Mm -hmm. or Sticks or (laughs) something. But see, that makes sense to me because I I was actually listening to some early Sabbath last night. And it sounded very Moody Blues-esque. Yeah. 
And a lot of people don't, when they think of Black Sabbath, they don't expect that sound. They think of the handful yeah. of hits, you know, Paranoid. Yeah. War Pigs. War and, Pigs, that's what I'm I mean, there's a few that. of them. But Planet Caravan is more what I was thinking. Is okay. Definitely that realm. So we're moving on to the next album. Is that where we're at? Yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> the last album we covered by Foghat was In the Mood for Something Rude from 1982. This was my bottom album. This was also my bottom album. Out of the eight tracks, I gave three fives. I gave zero fives. No fives for this artist. No fives. Swing and a miss. Sorry, Sandra. Jeez. Top track for me was Take This Heart of Mine. My top track was Back for a Taste of Your Love. Oh, I should mention that Love Wrestler has great instrumental work, but a horrible chorus. Like, I wanted to use that as my top pick, but bottom track for me was Bustin' Up or Bustin' Out. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Love Wrestler because it was my bottom track. Well, all right. All right. Horrible chorus. What are you going to do? Yeah, it, it, it lost me. Come on. <laughs> you you know if I'm not hooked by then, it's I'm just out. I'm out. For the most part, if you told me this was a Huey Lewis and the News album where they were doing covers of music I'd never heard before, I'd have believed you. There's overcorrection of guitar out of the forefront. The sound is uninspired and far removed from the fall cat we heard on the other discs. And very little about this effort is meaningful, memorable, or interesting beyond a few listens. So these are definitely weaker fives where they exist. While I don't hate it or think it's a painful listen, it's not one I plan on returning to. It seems like they stepped a little bit back into time. Like the sound, they're struggling to find their evolved 80s sound officially. Definitely B-side worthy, but I don't think a lot of the tracks need to be the highlight uh, from the get-go. Still repetitive. Um, It keeps the same beat and pace throughout most of its songs. And this sounds a lot like Robert Palmer, who did Simply Irresistible, his B-side material. So when you said Huey Lewis in the news, I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about because I think Power of Love mm-hmm. is simply irresistible. They're a lot alike. Yes, on so, this album. I know. And what I found myself trying to explain, because I, I usually talk to Megan about most of the music. Mm-hmm. We cover some of the top songs and stuff so she can see what she thinks too. Yeah. Since she can't be on the show for the most part, we yeah. we bounce things. But what I've been... That sounded really wrong. What you do in your private times, <laughs> up to you guys. What I keep coming back to with Foghat, and I shouldn't say this because I know it's going to piss certain people off, if only my mother. Uh, <laughs> ah, she's not listening. She doesn't care about either one of us enough to listen. Boston, for the most part, yeah, annoys me. Like oh they're they're a really great band. They make really great music, but something about it is just is almost pop like. It's too. It insists upon itself. Yeah, it's it's like a a really nice car uh-huh. that's just over waxed. You know what I mean? And this group mm-hmm. for, the, for those first two albums, same sort of sound. Like they sound like Boston, mm-hmm. but they but don't they have that over waxed thing. It. It's just really really good to listen to. Uh, the music makes me feel. Like I'm cruising the strip in a classic car on a summer Saturday. <laughs> Got it. Awesome. Um, a couple of my notes before we get into any more of Shane's. Um, this was an English band formed in London in 1971. So they were a part of that big British invasion. I think that we had two of them, technically. We had one in the late 60s and one um, again in like the 80s. I mean, our country is a British invasion. I mean, true. Very true. Uh, The name Foghat was invented in a game of Scrabble. The guitarist, Dave Prevetti, is that how you pronounce his name? Prevetti? Give give me the line. Uh, (laughs) Your dad would know. I know. 
he actually made up the word fog hat in Scrabble, so they just decided they liked it and to use it. Um, while they are British, they never had a charting song or record in the UK. That's wild. Yeah. Considering slow ride. I think it's because they exists. sound Southern. Okay. You know, like they sound like a band, not not like a like a Leonard Skinner or, or a Credence. Those are obviously like Southern, like established Southern sounding bands. But I think that when people like to think of Southern rock, Foghat is thrown in the mix with slow ride. Just Just putting it out there. Like a group from Pennsylvania doing Southern music? No, Is that what you're you getting know, at? You know that you know what sound I'm talking <laughs> about. Come on. It sucks that this listen ended on a sour note, but that doesn't diminish the fact that those first two albums are some of the most fun I've had listening to classic rock. I think Boston... <laughs> here we go. So I actually did make a note somehow. <laughs> think Boston with lots of that Elton John energy. I'm way more excited to hear more from Foghat than I ever expected to be. They're like a one-stop shop for 70s rock sounds, though. Even if you think classic rock is played out, give this group a go. Yeah, I would give it a go, even though I only... I didn't give it any fives. But I did not expect, in all honesty, I didn't expect a lot from either one of these groups because, of course, I only knew the popular songs. Um, I had not deep dive Blue Oyster Cult nor Foghat. But I can honestly say that they're both very interesting listens. Um, I think Foghat is definitely worth your time. Blue Oyster Cult is damn sure worth your time. You're doing yourself a huge disservice by yes. not. Don't be like Rayburn. Uh, deep dive the Blue Oyster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Deep dive the Blue Oyster. So um, needless to say, I think... I can assume that Blue Oyster won for you. Yes, they did. Yeah. They won by a full point for me, too. But I ain't mad about it. And uh, I did find a lot of good stuff from Foghat. Just not as good as all the stuff I found from Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, really surprising. I was dreading this month, this listen, mm -hmm. because classic rock, typically not my bag. You tend to feel like if you've heard it on the radio, they've squeezed everything out of it. Yeah. Okay, so everything's out there. Everybody's greatest hits are like 30, 40 songs long at this point. So you just expect that everything has been done to death. Yeah. Right? There are groups out there with greatest hits albums who had one hit and none of the rest of the shit on those greatest hit mm -hmm. CDs is worth a damn. And they're probably in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm still bitter about it. But these, these were worth a fucking listen like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. I mean, I... And the albums are short. I had high hopes for Blue Oyster Cult. I didn't want to have high hopes for Blue Oyster Cult. Uh -huh. I think because I love the Stone Age. I feel mm -hmm. like it's one of those movies that should be a hundred times bigger than it is. Yeah. And they talk about Blue Oyster Cult or BOC mm -hmm. in the movie quite a bit. So you just want to think, yeah. So I, I was I was pretty stunned by this week. It was it was the best time I think I've probably had this entire season. Even when you listen to like Don't Fear the Reaper, I've always been so intrigued by their, but about what they else are doing. Like what, what else are they creating? Um, so now, now I know a good slice of it and um, it tastes good. It does taste it good. It tastes good. I don't exactly know what that taste is, but it tastes damn good. <laughs> it's Blue Oyster, man. So... <laughs> I'm deep diving that shit. <laughs> what is it? Um, oh god, I always think about this shirt of a. All it says, my dad used to have it, and I had no idea what it meant until I became an adult. But all it said was the word "muff," and it's a little cartoon picture of a diver. Of a diver. And he used to wear that shit out. Yes, he did. He did. You remember the shirt oh, I'm yeah. talking about? Oh, it's yeah. white. It's got 
Blue around the sleeves. Yeah. Muff diver. God. Why did anybody awesome. think that this, the, this man should be walking around with three children? I don't know. I love that certain people can buy shirts freely mm-hmm. and can wear them. <laughs> Out. Because some people have, like, they don't have the nerve mm-hmm. to wear that shit. He doesn't give a fuck. No. Your dad is going to wear it. Yes. And wait on the reactions. Mm-hmm. He'll wear it around like his great aunt. His The shirt <laughs> that he's wearing now... My uh, my Cabo, my grandmother, gave to Blue and Blue gave to my dad after a period of time. But it says, masturbators catch more fish. <laughs> He's been wearing that because he outgrew the Muff Diver shirt. Oh, so, God damn. Gotta love the man. Gotta love the man. So anyway, we, we keep getting a little sidetracked <laughs> here. We're actually not going to be back in a month in this way. Uh, the finale is coming up, but it's going to be about a month late. And that is because... We have decided to release a video instead. An extra special secret video. Yes, we can't sell it. Oh, that sounds gross. Yeah, it did sound gross. (laughs) Sorry. Especially in an episode where your sister's going to Arkansas. Sorry. Tell us us a little (laughs) bit about what the episode will include so I can recover. We can't post it on YouTube and we can't sell it to you anywhere. So... The only way you're going to be able to find this is on my website, which is shanewindham.com. It will be the 15th of February Yes, is when this comes out. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be you and I, which we've not done this yet. So I'm I'm quite nervous about this, but I haven't haven't done a music guessing game in a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're going to do that and just see maybe who's better, I guess. It's kind of hard because you're always dealing with other people's playlists. Yeah, because... I would assume that the only way that I I could think of it is that if we both have playlists and we bounce back and forth so that that way nobody gets the advantage. Yeah. Ideally, what I would want is you to make a playlist and then I could just throw it into mine. Okay. Well, there we go. We can do that. But uh, tune in for that extra special secret episode where Shane and I will be playing the music guessing game on Shane's website, shanewinden.com. So check that out. And for the finale, just so everyone knows, when mm-hmm. we come back, uh, the five albums we're going to be covering are Led Zeppelin's Houses of the Holy from 73, DMX's Exodus album from 2021, Eric Church's Carolina from 2009, Kiss's Dynasty from 1979, and Britney Spears' Femme Fatale from 2011. Am I the only one that feels like it is a miracle that we have not run out of Britney albums or DMX albums yet? Yeah, I think we've got some DMX to go. We're we're running low on Britney Spears though. She just keeps being drawn. I know. And it's and obviously duh for for the Battle of the Bands, but her and DMX, I think we've covered them three times in the Battle of the yeah. Bands. Anyway. And if you know us, we're not just, you know. Yeah, we, we don't. We don't we, we're not stacking we li- the deck yeah. with Britney Spears. We, we like those two <laughs> artists, but we don't like them that much to cover them every Battle of the Bands. So it's completely random. What else do I want to mention here? Oh, so something you're going to see is we're about to have stuff every two weeks. So there will be little special things for our subscribers every two weeks. So if you're subscribed to the show for that dollar per month on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to hear us do our extra content every Bonus two weeks. Content. So there's more of us. You still get the specials and all of our past content is now subscriber only. Yeah. So. And not to give a lot away, you're going to want to check out that bonus content because it's not it's not going to be what we're doing here necessarily. It's not going to be just music related. We're going to have a wide variety of where we talk about all sorts of different things. 
Um, so if you wanna if you wanna be kept up to date on all that bonus content, subscribe, and you'll be getting a little something extra every month. Yeah, and the current season will always remain free. Yes, so the content's not actually going anywhere. You just have to pay a dollar per month. Yeah. And but- if you think about it, think about all the other stuff that you're paying for that is way more than that. I mean, how many subscriptions to you know Netflix, Disney Plus, whatever you call it, YouTube Music, YouTube, whatever. So when you're thinking about it in perspective, a dollar a month, you're going to be getting a lot for your dollar. So Yeah, when we actually didn't just paywall this stuff, we actually decided it was going to be more work that we needed to do yep. to get your dollar per month. So I think it was Shane's excuse just to see me more, this, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, George. <laughs> I don't know. This show's already a lot of work. I still love it. I still think I'd be doing most of this stuff, even if we didn't have the show. And this is where he tells me he wants to quit. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Anyway. Close this so, out, man. Tune in for our music guessing game and then our finale, some special stuff coming up, but that's going to do it for this one. So hit up our Spotify playlist, visit our merch shop, share our show with your friends, come find us on social media to let us know what you think, subscribe if you want some bonus content, and until next time, fill your world with music. And ever so often, it's okay to taste the blue oyster. I taste that motherfucker all the time. Oh, shit. (laughs) 